Welcome in, one and all. Good to have you on this Monday morning edition of Perspective, the Bill Michaels Show. A lot of people uh, upset at many different things yesterday. And why? Uh, and, and and here's the thing. I, I got a buddy of mine who lives in Cincinnati, and they're going crazy down there because Joe Burrow tweaked his calf yesterday, and they got beat, and they're 0-2 and all that kind of stuff. And he said, why are people so upset? I mean, it's only Jordan Love's second game. And it's it's not that it's because of it's the second game. That's not it. Uh, what the biggest issue is is that you had a game that you could have won. It was right there. And you had it through a myriad of ineptitudes slip through your fingers. It could have been what, what – this game yesterday that was lost was a game that could have been an ugly win. Should have been an ugly win. You should have just been able to outgrind it. And you didn't. And it was your own bad coaching, bad mistakes. You know, here's the other thing. In defense of Joe Barry, you know, where the guys, you talk about a guy like, you know, Quay Walker and dropping the interception, Jair Alexander dropping the interception. They were in play, they were in position to make plays. So they were the, the right defense was called. They didn't make the plays, thus keeping that defense on the field even further. But then again, when you get 211 yards run up your rear end and you don't have an answer for it that's coaching you gotta figure something out to say they're killing us here we have to be able to adjust and move up and start to say okay we're gonna stop the one thing we have to take away and if at the beginning of the game I would have said what are you gonna take away you're probably gonna go Bijan Robinson we're gonna start there we're gonna stop and start and stopping the run and then make Ritter, who is still has a giant question mark on his quarterback capabilities, beat us. And instead, you didn't stop Ritter. You didn't stop B. John Robinson. You just stayed on the field and kept everything in front of you for 13 more minutes than like a whole quarter more than the Atlanta Falcons were out there. That's it. But there's, there's, there's no impressiveness when it comes to any of that stuff regarding Joe Barry yesterday and regarding that defense. The frustration of Matt LaFleur's voice and the postgame presser uh, and such uh, was all there. And the Packers let a 12-point lead go. Uh, do we still have Bill on the line? Yep, Bill's still here, patient guy. Okay, let's go, because Bill was with us in the first uh, hour, and I had to cut him short, so I want to give him his full say, so I'll bring him back. Bill's in Green Bay on the line. Bill, okay, uh, sorry to cut you off, but we were at the top of the hour, so I want, no you to, I want to make sure you can finish your thoughts, so go ahead. Yeah, all I want to get to is Every game, whether it's the Packers or any team in the NFL, probably once or twice a game, there's a decision made by a head coach that you're like, what are you doing? Every team, especially the Packers, need what I want to apply for is a guy called Common Sense Guy. I played high school football at Green Bay East. I actually played a high, a high school game at West or at Lambeau back in the day when West had a home field at Lambeau for one season. It's all academic, but the point is, you know, you can't – the fans, the players, and the coaching staffs have way too much invested to have a situation where you go from a 51 to a 56-yard field goal and you say, no, we're not going to do that. You have to have somebody on the coach's hip say, nope, we're kicking this here, and I'll explain to you after the play, Matt, why we'll do it. But, you know, so do a plug for me every, every, every show that Bill from Green Bay needs to be the common sense guy. That's all I got. <laughs> all right, buddy. Appreciate it, man. Talk to you later. Play some high school football over Lambeau Field once. There you go.
Um, it, but the common sense side of things, when you—that's what I'm saying—is you, I, I don't, you don't need somebody on Matt Lafleur's hip to say, "Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute." That's what your coordinators are for: your special teams, your offensive, and your defensive coordinators are to get in your ear and go, "Dude, wait a minute." You know that—that's why I can't believe that Matt Lafleur something had to preclude not kicking a 56-yard field goal. I, I don't know what it was. You think it's because it's only his second game as a, a pro? They didn't want to put him in a position to miss a kick real bad and crush his confidence? Like, I, I wonder if it's week 13 if they if they elect to kick that, you know? You know, it, it's funny, Grant. That's what you brought him in there for, though. Yep, yep, because of his you know, big leg, I mean, 100%. You know, that, that's what I don't understand. I mean, he kicked a, you put him in for a 52-yarder in Chicago. And not only did he split the uprights, he kicked it 20 yards up the net. He could have hit that thing from 70. And four yards back from beyond that, you're like, no, 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 that's too far. What? Well, I, I just don't know what I'm missing. And if anything, if he kicks it and hits it in a dome in good conditions, it gives him confidence. So, I, I, I mean, I understand it, but I, I don't. But I don't. I understand what you're saying, but I don't understand Matt LaFleur's explanation that's the it, only reasoning i, I yeah. can think of that makes sense yeah it, it just that's just, it just doesn't it doesn't register i i can't understand why you would have this guy and, and you you know you, you jettison mason crosby because of you know kickoffs that weren't high enough and long enough and he wasn't hitting beyond 50 okay so you bring in a guy that can and then when you get a kick beyond 50 you're like well that's too far what that doesn't make any sense so I don't know. It, it just uh, Matt Lafleur was not at his best at the podium yesterday. There was some there was there was something else going on behind closed doors we may never be privy to that Matt Lafleur was pissed about and off of his game. He was he was not happy, uh, and then the whole thing about the sloppy penalty or the silly penalty, damn straight, bad penalty. Bad penalty. And that that was bothersome. You know, the fact that the defense can't come down with an interception to save its life because apparently they can't catch. They're all out there with stone fingers. That, that'll piss you off. You got a quarterback making the wrong call on a quarterback sneak and looking like he's drunk and falling over the line. That was embarrassing. I mean, just there was a lot of stuff. Now, we all knew you'd go through a couple of growing pains here and there. Absolutely. You know, a couple of missed reads or whatever, but you you weren't completing passes when you needed to the most. Your completion percentage was under sixty percent. Your the media the, the mid level passes weren't hitting when you needed them the most, and that's one of those moments where you look for your young guy to rise up, and it just didn't happen yesterday, which is disappointing. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. Let's go to John. John, welcome to the program, the Bill Michael Show. What's going on today? Oh, nothing much. It's not too bad out. Um, one thing that I noticed was it. there was just – it was a good game. It was just a bunch of small things, little tiny things, that if didn't happen, like the drop balls and everything, mm-hmm. the game would have been good. One thing that irritated me while watching the game – was listening to the person in front of the booth. You could hear them swearing and just being really annoying from while you were listening to the game. 
Mm-hmm. I I don't know. If uh, you talking about on the radio side? No, no, oh, on TV. On TV, okay. You could hear. Them I I think I heard it once or twice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the one good thing about the weekend was uh, I was a little nervous uh, on Saturday with the Brewer game because they mm-hmm. let them come back to tie it up, but then the uh, Grand Slam walk-off pretty much. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, no, hey, look, hey, the Brewers, uh, they've done their – appreciate the phone call. They've done their job. I declared the Brewers on Friday night, and I said this at the beginning of the show, and I'll say it again. I don't give two Fs about what the Cubs fans feel at all. I got friends who are Cubs fans who every chance they get, they're flying the W and they're just in your face and they're obnoxious, and that's fine. So if you can't take it now that the Brewers have won the division, it's over, it's done, six-and-a-half game lead with 13 left to play, you're not going to win it. That means the Brewers have to play at best uh, just sub-500 baseball and you got to win every game from here on out. Ain't going to happen. Season's done when it comes to winning the National League Central. The Brewers are the champs when it comes to winning the National League Central. Shut the hell up, get to the postseason, and put your money where your mouth is. I don't care. And if you think I'm obnoxious about it, oh, my God, look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. Who cares? Look in the mirror. Oh, by the way, at least you got the Cubs to latch on to because your quarterback sucks. I gave praise to Justin Fields, and I, I probably shouldn't have. He's a hell of an athlete. But that guy, I said last week, the argument was when we were talking to a prominent person in the press box was this guy is not attending any Mensa meetings anytime soon. My God, all you got to do is watch yesterday the progression of reads that he had or didn't have. Woof. Woof. We can talk about a lot of things here in Green Bay, and we can get on Joe Barry and get on Matt LaFleur and get on David Bakhtiari and all that kind of stuff. But my God, another bad quarterbacking decision. He's probably one of the better quarterbacks you've had in a while, athleticism wise. But oh my God. There was, it's just, that was embarrassingly bad for the Chicago Bears and that offense yesterday and, and specifically Justin Fields. Bill, I was Ooh. talking to one of my best friends this morning, texting with him. He's a diehard Bears fan. And I'm like, dude, why do you even watch? Why, why do you give this team right. the time of day? I know that's hard as a fan, but what have they done to earn their fans' respect and trust and interest over the last two years? It's just a disaster. Right. Yeah. It's uh, that I, I got sucked in. And there's areas like Tua, I was wrong. Tua's a hell of a quarterback. He's really progressed. And as long as he's healthy, he's really turning into a hell of a quarterback, and I was wrong in that area. I didn't think he'd be that good. Justin Fields, I said coming out of Ohio State, I don't trust a lot of Ohio State quarterbacks because of the system they run and the way they run it. It's not a mental system. It is strictly a system run by the coaches, follow the X's and O's on the board, and that's the way they run it. It's not a lot of reads and deception and such. They just have better athletes most of the time. So I don't trust quarterbacks coming out of Ohio State. And so you see Justin Fields, and he started to play pretty well, and yesterday he was willing them to a couple of different wins. They only won three games, but a couple of times it was because of Justin Fields, and he played well enough to give you hope and the aspiration to be better, and then they were supposedly fixing the offensive line and giving him more weapons to throw to, and it doesn't matter because the guy can't see him. You know? I mean, I'd have been better off playing out there myself with a blindfold on. It it just – there were wide-open receivers. And at this point in time, just come after Justin Fields because he's too stupid to understand how to read an offense and read a defense and to be able to see downfield. So the Bears, they got their own problems. They got their own problems. Nobody won in the NFC North, by the way this week nobody 
Lions got beat by Geno Smith and company yesterday up at uh, Ford Field. We saw what happened on Thursday night between the Vikings and the uh, Philadelphia Eagles down at the link. The Bears get beat down in Tampa Bay, and the Packers gave one away yesterday in Atlanta. Nobody, nobody uh, won yesterday in the in the, uh, in this, in the uh, North. So anyway, uh, 877-867-1670. Uh, this one's from Thomas who said, uh, Bill, throw everything out of the last 59 minutes. Matt LaFleur is the one that let him down because he didn't have any rollouts, didn't have any half-field plays. Uh, for uh, for Jordan Love. Uh, where were the completions to get out of bounds? Only uh, only down one. That was it. The the I said yesterday in the fourth quarter the Packers gained a whopping um, eleven yards. In the fourth quarter yesterday the Packers gained eleven yards. That was it. Tough day at the office yesterday for the Green Bay Packers late in that ball game. A lot of things to talk about. A lot of things to go over. And we want to. We want to do it all. Hey, if you are looking for terrific food in downtown Milwaukee as you're going to start heading down uh, maybe to Bucks games, uh, Marquette games, what have you, Admirals games are right around the corner. Once we get into October, you got some hockey. Uh, or you just want a great night out. Downtown Milwaukee, that's Calderon Club in San Giorgio, both places. Old World, 3rd Street. Wonderful, wonderful food. The best Italian food you're ever going to put in your mouth. That is our buddy Gino and the gang. 838 Old World, 3rd Street, right across the street from the Hyatt Hotel you cannot go wrong, whether it's Calderon Club for spaghetti and meatballs or the Sashina and uh, the uh, chicken marsala. I can go on and on. Or over to San Giorgio, the authentic, authentic and certified Pizzeria Napolitana. You can go over there as well. Either place you can't go wrong. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. What advice would you give somebody that you know that's window shopping? I'd have to say Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin plays at an MVP level in the replacement game. They came in ahead of time, measured all the windows, make sure they had all of the measurements. When the Pella people left, you had no idea they had been here. You just had the new window. They're great professionals, Gina, and some of the best in the world at what they do. Right now, pay as low as $19 a month per window or $75 per month on patio doors. Visit PellaWI.com today. Pella's team of expert installers start with an in-home consultation and finish with no hassle or mess, leaving nothing but perfect results that stand the test of time. Right now at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin, pay as low as $19 per window and $75 per month on patio doors. Visit PellaWI.com today. $6.99 APR for 120 months. Certain restrictions apply. See showroom for details. Offers end at 9-30-2023. I am excited because uh, even though I can't make it out for Oktoberfest, we got some uh, some huddles that are going to be coming to lacrosse, and we're currently penciling in the dates, and hopefully that uh, is all done today. But one of the things that I do get a chance to do is head out to Buzzer Billy's when I get out to that area. Buzzer Billy's in the Starlight Lounge, and I encourage you if you're going out that way for Oktoberfest, I know they're not uh, serving the great big beer steins, but... Head over to the Starlight Lounge and grab yourself a martini upstairs or maybe some really good food downstairs at Buzzer Billy's. Either place you can't go wrong. It's Buzzer Billy's. Opened since 1997 in that big old brick hotel right there on Pearl Street in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Good stuff from our friends over there at Buzzer Billy's. 
Good, good stuff. Uh, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. Uh, if you want to hit us up. Yeah, the uh, w- when the Packers uh, come the fourth quarter, they uh, at 1148, they went three plays, two yards out. Now, this is after they had scored their touchdown and went up on uh, Atlanta. What was it, 24 to 12 or whatever the hell it was. Uh, the next three drives. Three and out, three and out, four and out. Gave it, turned it over on downs. They ran a total of 10 plays that gained 11 yards. With the penalty, it gained them seven yards. Ten plays, seven yards. That was all she wrote. That was all she wrote. So in the last three drives, the last three opportunities with the football, it just didn't work out. Uh, some errant passes, um, you know, um, they had a, th- you know, third down and a half yard to go, and you couldn't get A.J. Dillon a half yard. Now, uh, I will take into consideration the fact that Bakhtiari was not playing. Elton Jenkins went down with a knee injury. The left side of your offensive line was was patchwork. Okay, I understand that. But that being said, you had uh, a couple of punts. You had a three and out, uh, a three and out, and – then after that, you ended up driving 11 plays, 84 yards, and you threw a touchdown pass. The uh, next drive, you had 10 plays, 44 yards. You kicked a field goal. And after that, you took a knee at the end of the half. Your next, uh, your next drive out, six plays, 60 yards, touchdown, four plays, 35 yards, touchdown. And after that, you couldn't do anything with the football. Ten plays, seven yards, all she wrote. 877-867-1670, if you want to hit us up. Don't forget, coming up at the bottom of the hour, Eric Baranchek of the Green Bay Press-Gazette. We're going to go back with him and look at the film and get his thoughts on all of this, specifically asking him about what he saw, defensively speaking. We'll get into that. That's coming up. Also, Peter Bukowski of the Locked On Packers podcast coming up in about, uh, about an hour from now, so hang in there. Tony in Sussex. Tony, welcome to the program, The Bill Michael Show. What's going on today, man? How you doing, Bill? Good. One, what you thinking? One, one Okay, that's a terrible connection. Put him back on hold. Uh, let's go to Dennis. Dennis, welcome to the program, man. How you doing, Dennis? Dennis just dropped off. People's uh, people's connections. I think they must be uh, maybe deep sea welding. I don't I know. Guess. Maybe they work in tunnels. I'll get Dennis back People on. People are living on top of mountains. People are, you know, whatever. But, man, today we've had some horrific, if you, you know, so terrible cell phone reception. I don't know what it is. Uh, maybe uh, maybe there's a cell phone, cell phone provider. I got, that is, I got uh, Dennis back. Up I got him back. Let's, let's get Dennis. Dennis, uh, welcome to the program, man. What's going on? Thanks. Uh, I got to disagree a little bit with the offense. Yes, they should have gotten the first down in the fourth quarter. I understand but 24 points, you should have won that game. You had two interceptions you dropped. Savage, what are you doing back there? You are the deepest of the deep. You don't let that guy get open on that fourth quarter long pass that basically gave the game away. Now, Stokes is the only guy that's missing back there. Walker mm-hmm. was back, and Walker played a great game. Quay Walker had a great game. But you let Bijan Robinson, you let Ritter, who is a so-so, maybe, maybe so-so at best quarterback, beat you. That's all defense. That game, I don't blame the offense at all. I don't blame special teams at all. That is a defensive loss, whether it be LaFleur, Joe Barry, 
of the players, the execution, that was all defense. Okay. I appreciate it. That's I'll I'll take that perspective. I'm not going to argue with you a lot. Down the stretch, I agree with you. Look, 211 yards given up, that's unacceptable. You're talking about just rushing. You had over 460 yards total offense coming out of uh, Atlanta. Uh, Walker played all over. You had him back quite a bit. And some of the tackles he was making were downfield, but it's because that's where you had him positioned. Uh, but when you say, you know, it's all defense, well, I still would have kicked the field goal early on. They had the silly penalty, as Matt LaFleur calls it, on the delay of game, on the field goal. Terrible. That's coaching. Right? The decision not to kick the field goal, coaching. When you got a guy that can clearly do it unless there was something that we don't know about. Right? Um, <laughs> I just I, – I thought – what we saw last week in play calling versus what we saw this week in play calling was different. Maybe Atlanta did some things to take them out of their game. Okay. But I, I just, I saw misses on the quarterback. I saw some miscommunication via the quarterback and we kind of expected that a little bit, but there was enough to go around to say, had any one of these things gone right or been, been done right? It's a different outcome. The Packers win the game. 877-867-1670. Hit us up. Again, 877-867-1670. Lucas Van Ness, the injury to Lucas Van Ness, I don't know specifically. what what, Grant, do you know what happened to Van Ness? I know he ended up leaving the game yesterday, but I don't know for what reason. I'll try to find it. I'm, I'm not going to lie, Bill. After the game, I was just so interested to hear about Bakhtiari and Joe Bear. Van Ness was just low on my priority list, but I'll look that up. Right. Uh, yeah, I just, I, I don't, I didn't see a report on Lucas Van Ness after the game. I know there was, I, it might've been a shoulder or an arm issue, but I don't know. I don't know for sure. Uh, a lot of people are saying it was an elbow. Uh, Jennifer said it was a shoulder. So again, I thought it was a shoulder and they were looking at him on the sidelines. I don't, uh, you know, know what they all, he's, uh, judge Schmel says it was, a announced an elbow injury. Okay. Okay. Per Pro Football Focus, though, this is interesting. Lucas Van Ness was the third highest-graded player on defense. So I guess once he got hurt, maybe that played a role. I mean, they still shouldn't have blown a, a two-score lead, but that's interesting. Right. I found that number, but I can't find anything on his availability. They were probably too busy yeah. fielding Bakhtiari questions right. to talk about right. it. Um, 877-867-1671. Hit us up. Uh, go ahead and feel free to go ahead and do so. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Alexander on the jugs machine is what he needs. Walker is wishing he had that one back. We need a coach to get these guys to have that killer instinct. Ritz Basaccia would be that guy. That's according to Will. Uh, Red Stag says the two down linemen uh, front is the dumbest damn thing I've ever seen. See, and that's from Red Stag. That's what I was saying yesterday. You had two outside backers. You had Devontae Wyatt and Kenny Clark. And then you had your middle linebackers. And you were running nickel most of the time. Why are you running nickel on a team that's running the ball down your throat? I don't under that, – that to me – the whole thing – two things I want to address real quick. One is that on quite, a, quite often yesterday, that I didn't understand. When they're just jamming it down your throat and you're going nickel and taking another lineman off the field to do it, I didn't understand it. Okay? That one. Secondly – 
when you talk about Devontae Wyatt, uh, or not Devontae Wyatt, but Quay Walker and the tackles, 17 tackles, he led the team in tackles. He played a hell of a game. But not all the, the the statistic itself can be misleading because they can all be. People used to talk about AJ Hawk and he would be the leading tackler, and the argument was what? Why he's doing it down the field, three and five yards downfield, sucks. That's that's what Packers fans would say at that point in time. And don't say you didn't because you did. Um, and that that's a legitimate statistic of yeah, he's making the tackles, but are they downfield? Are they gang tackles? Are they one on one tackles? Or is he is he blowing up the hole and stopping the run at the line of scrimmage? They weren't doing that yesterday. But he was also playing seven yards back at times. And he had the green dot on the helmet. So he was playing back as kind of the center fielder. So yesterday, in that sense, you you know, they are that is a misleading statistic. But he did play a good game because he was sideline to sideline. But it, it, the sometimes it's not about making the play. Sometimes it's about the position the coach puts you in. To make the play you know yeah he puts you in position to make a play and you're making a tackle downfield but you're not up in the line of scrimmage you're not up in the gap right uh mitchell says hello from houston texas dylan looked as if we were uh if as if he was a deer in the headlights what is your opinion of dylan's performance the past couple of games packers should have put another running back in um aj dylan doesn't run with reckless abandon He runs – I know Matt LaFleur alluded to his pad level a couple of times. He had a couple of good runs, but he, he's not a – you need him to be a plow horse, and he's not. It's as simple as that. You know, he was supposed to be a 250-pound thunder in the thunder and lightning punch, and he's not. After three years of the experiment of, you know, let's see what he can do, he can't do anything. He, he doesn't have enough cojones to run people over. He doesn't run with, I'm going to knock you out. He runs with, I'm going to stutter step and try to dance around you and try to break something and instead of just plowing. A big guy at 250 can't fall forward for three and a half yards of carry. I mean, just fall down. Can't do that. Now, granted, maybe it's the offensive line. I also think, it'd be, and I thought the question was very legitimate, he looks like he's lost a step. There is a level of quickness that once you get going, you have a burst. He doesn't have that. He's very slow and methodical and plotting. And the love of the mayor of Door County, that's great, but it, it doesn't equate to running and rushing yards on the field. Um, 877-867-1670. Give us a shout. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Coming up next, uh, Eric Branchek of the Green Bay Press-Gazette is going to be joining us, and we're going to talk with him about what he saw yesterday on the film. So don't go anywhere at all. It's an overreaction, perspective-filled Monday here on the Bill Michaels Show with Eric Branchek joining us. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. It is a perspective and overreaction Monday on the Bill Michaels Show. Packers get knocked off yesterday 25-24 in a game in which they should have won. Had it in their hands in many different facets and just kind of let it all 
slip away, unfortunately. Uh, joining us now to take a look at the film and, uh, you know, kind of pick his brain as to what he saw, Eric Baranchek of the Green Bay Press-Gazette. Eric Baranchek won over on Twitter. EB, uh, I, you know, as many people that are screaming about the defense, there was quite a few little sprinkles of mistakes that any one of those things could have gone the Packers' favor and they win this game, you know? Well, thanks. first of all, hello, good morning. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I, I, there's a level of crap that I'm going to add to your conversation, and that is everybody wants to talk about false starts and jumping off sides and, and not taking a time off, all of that, and your left tackle not playing, all of that is a, certainly a high level of crap. But it boils down to one thing, and I'm going to disagree with Matt LeFleur on this 1,000%. And that was, he said, you know, everybody's going to make one play better. It came down to one play yesterday, one single play that would have changed the outcome of the game, in my opinion. And that was fourth down and four on the six-yard line. The Riddler, the Ritter, excuse my language, he booted around for the touchdown. We just saw last week where the Bears tried to do that to Lucas Sanders, which was a really smart play with a young guy there, and he did it, played it perfectly. Kept his shoulder square, kept perfect leverage, made the play. Now they got to kick the field goal. This is even more important because it's fourth down, and Gary completely loses his mind and goes barreling inside, untouched, nobody blocked him, nothing in front of him, and the quarterback just run, who is a lesser of a running quarterback, runs around the edge and scores a touchdown. That, that was the play that sunk the Green Bay Packers. So you tell me your thoughts on, because all the everybody today is screaming about Joe Barry and the defense, and I said what we witnessed again yesterday was death by a thousand cuts to the point where at the end of the game when you need them the most, they were gassed. They got gashed over and over and over again, and it seemed like it was just keep the ball in front of you, don't let them get the big play, and we watched first down after first down after first down, and suddenly this team claws their way back into it. Is there a large modicum of blame that should be heaped upon Joe Barry and the play calling defensively speaking? Well, I think looking at that play, you got a four-year vet you should know better. And, and if he doesn't know better and continues to make the same mistakes, then you gotta you gotta sit him down. If you and, and he becomes only pass rush specialist, if that play costs him the game, and that's coaching. That you got that player has to sit down. You don't get you're on the edge of the line. You're on the edge. You're an edge player, and you don't get touched. What's the rule? Where's the ball coming? You wait. Yeah. The ball's coming right at you, so you better you better be home. And he wasn't home. He turned his shoulders, went like a like a overly aggressive player. And you know I like overly aggressive players primarily, but he turns his shoulders to the cardinal sin. You can never do that as an outside player when you're not touched. It's turn your shoulders because the ball will come back at you every single time, and it did. And unfortunately, that goes through for a touchdown and. That's all it wrote. And so, yes, so to give it to Barry, for sure. The other part that to Barry, to attack him, I guess, a little bit was I felt like they did not – there's two ways to stop the run to the outside, right? You're either going to contain it or you're going to set the edge or you're going to spill it or you're going to keep pushing them to the sideline and hopefully he either runs out of grass 
or your fast guys are there to tie them up so a big guy can come and spot them. That's really the only two ways to play it, uh, you know, C-gap, D-gap runs. And I felt the only thing that they he had in his arsenal was to bring in another, put another guy with his hands on the ground. And that's well and fine in many cases, especially when they're getting beat on C-gap. You know, that we have a big guy in there to, to, to handle that double team coming down with the tight end. But there wasn't anything else. I, I, I really was hoping to see, have them change up their philosophy a little bit. I mean, that's something a professional football defense should be able to do is, hey, listen, we're going to start spilling. We're going we're gonna to attack inside shoulder of the guard or the guard or tight end wing or who's ever coming out to hit you. We're going to spill that out to the outside. And then this, I'm gonna, on top of that, I thought the safety play was, they were, they were way too, I'm trying to find a word I can say on the radio. Uh, a way they, they, they came in under, not under control, come flying in there and the running backs just got to either stutter step, step over the top, little jump cut and then off to the races again. If you're going to fill, you know, we all love that safety's come and fill the alley hard. Say, hey, hey, let's stay up and just take some punishment and grab on to some, something and let the rest of the guys come and clean them up. I just, felt there's far too much from both Ford and from Savage. They want to come running up and grab an ankle. And I just think when you have a real running back or B. Sean Robinson is a real running back, that's easy for those guys to beat that. So talking with Eric, yeah, talking I, with I, Eric Branch at Green Bay Press Gazette. Hey, I wanted to ask you about Quay Walker. 17 tackles yesterday, but I thought at times they were moving him back as if to say, just kind of be the center fielder, keep everything in front of you and not bringing him up enough to help out in run support. Uh, did you see that? A little bit. You know what? You know who he reminds me of a little bit? He's a really fast, a little bit more athletic real actor. You know, real actor was kind of that, that, that guy that can – he's going he's gonna to bloody your nose in the run game, that's for sure. But in the past game, I think a lot of people don't realize how really good he was at playing back then. It's probably because he played D-back when he was young, but – and you really like Quay Walker in that role. I mean, he, he unfortunately dropped that one pass, but he's pretty tough back there when you do that. And, and I think the other end of it, too, is is um, I, I guess I don't feel 100% the same way because I like – I mean, I, I like turnovers. So, you know, if you could make the make sacks happen because you've got a, a really good athletic linebacker who's controlling the middle of the field, I like that. Um but you, your guys got to get to the quarterback when you, if, you, if you're going to do that. The uh, the the offense and uh, you know down the stretch, it just looked like it was for the first time. What well, one of the callers said, and they were right. It looked like the pressure, the moment um, you had Jordan Love just looked a little bit rattled yesterday. Uh, overthrowing guys, uh, the the mid level passes just simply weren't there. Uh, the miscommunication on the fourth down plunge that wasn't uh, obviously with uh, third and a half a yard you can't get AJ Dillon a half a yard even to fall forward for God's sakes I mean it just seemed like things just kind of unraveled offensively. Yeah, it really did. It kind of because it was going so good. You know, it was kind of a rocky start, but then they started they started clicking. You know, I really liked to you know love the presence. He didn't he didn't look overly rattled. He missed some balls. But he didn't look overly rattled back there. He looked like he was under control. My big challenge to the thing is, is on that fourth down, why did you even leave it up to him? Just have a play called and ready right. to go. And you got a, a back back there that's 240 pounds. Just ram it. You know, that's his strength is AP gap rams. Just do it. And 
take it out of your young quarterback's hands. Um, to me, that's I just I, I like him, and I understand they they like his poise and they like all that. But I, I mean, take it out of his hands. Don't let him be in a position where he can make a mistake, hand the ball off, and get the yard. What do you think of uh, Matt Lafleur for whatever reason not kicking the field goal from fifty-six rather than punting it? I well, how about you call a timeout first of all? Right. You know, you know, I mean, come on, you get a delay a game, come on, just call timeout and then go kick the field goal. You know, so there's we just talked about ten points that a, a ten-point swing that Packers go kick that field goal and it's probably a different ball game. Sean Gary doesn't have a brain fart. Different ball, different score. You know, where, where everybody's celebrating instead of being angry right now today. Right. Uh, real quick before I let you go. So, defensively, we know that there's not a whole lot of cavalry on the way. You hope Lucas Van Ness uh, and the elbow slash shoulder are okay. Uh, Stokes isn't coming back for at least two more weeks. I mean, this is what it is. What do you expect to see out of a Joe Barry-led defense this coming week? Anything different? I, I don't know. Uh, this is going to be a really good week because this is the first time they're going to get a veteran quarterback that's been through it all and probably the best quarterback they've seen. So the key is going to be whether or not they can get pressure from the inside, which they've been able to. The other thing that I personally would like to see is they send Quay Walker more than they have in the past, which is, I think, his speed and his size that makes a ton of sense. I'd like to see him run A-gaps and get in this quarterback space right now. So it gives that quarterback something to think about a little bit. So that's what I would like to see different. Um, and hopefully they run, it's going to be a home game. So hopefully they're running around like they were at the Bear game. It just seemed like they had a little bit more pep in their step. Maybe it's because they were on the field so long in the second half. But that, mm-hmm. that's what I'd like to see. I'd, and be a, a shade more aggressive. Um, uh, and I, I realize – they're, they're getting some pressure with their down guys, so they don't have to do a whole lot of exotic blitzes or anything like that. And I would like to see just a shade more of that. Just let's get the quarterback moving a little bit and, and primarily A-gap. Get someone in the space right now. Great stuff as always, bud, and uh, appreciate it. We'll talk again soon, okay? Yeah, make sure if you get a chance to get in the press room this week, ask LeFleur if he's going to call timeout. Next, next week, <laughs> right. So they're not committing the, quote, silly penalties. 100% agree. There you go. Uh, that, that's our buddy Ryan Eric Baranchek of the Green Bay Press-Gazette joining us for a couple of minutes on the hotline. You can find him at, at Eric Baranchek one over on Twitter, breaking down the Packers film uh, each and every week with us. Uh, always good stuff. Always good stuff. Um, let's do this. We'll, we'll step away just because I'm looking at the time and I'm a little bit late for a break. So I want to get to the break and then we'll come back. We'll continue on with the discussion. Uh, this portion of the program brought to you by our friends over there at Steel Tank Brewing. They're in Oconomowoc, right on Robrock Lane with terrific food and uh, craft beers uh, that uh, change. They rotate uh, pretty continuously. They've got some staples, don't get me wrong, but uh, nevertheless, they do change for the seasons and such. And that's our friends at Steel Tank Brewing, Robrock Lane in Oconomowoc, right behind the Exonia Bank, right off of 67. The big music venue, uh, They the floors are now done. The, uh, the bathrooms are finished. The back of the bar is being put in. They're getting ever so closer to opening that thing up, hoping to do it by the end of the week or end of the month, maybe into the first week or two of October, but it's right around the corner. Stay tuned for the announcement on that. That's our friends at Steel Tank Brewing Company out in Oconomowoc. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show.
on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. What advice would you give somebody that you know that's window shopping? I'd have to say Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin plays at an MVP level in the replacement game. They came in ahead of time, measured all the windows, make sure they had all of the measurements. When the Pella people left, you had no idea they had been here. You just had the new window. They're great professionals, Gina, and some of the best in the world at what they do. Right now, pay as low as $19 a month per window or $75 per month on patio doors. Visit PellaWI.com today. Pella's team of expert installers start with an in-home consultation and finish with no hassle or mess, leaving nothing but perfect results that stand the test of time. Right now at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin, pay as low as $19 per window and $75 per month on patio doors. Visit PellaWI.com today. $6.99 APR for 120 months. Certain restrictions apply. See showroom for details, offers end at 9-30-2023. It's, uh, it's good to be back, and just uh, I was looking at my schedule this week. We got, obviously, the huddle coming up on Wednesday night and uh, a little bit of uh, home time. I know I'm going to Green Bay at some point this week, and uh, we're going to uh, get our, our location together for the uh, postgame show, the Green and Gold postgame show, coming up immediately following the Packers and the Saints this coming Sunday. You can find us, uh, but we're, we're looking forward to all of that. But this is one of those weeks where I'm just home. And I'm just getting stuff at the house, getting all this paperwork I've been meaning to get done, caught up. Uh, going to sit down and watch the game tonight. And tonight's one of those nights where you just want to, you know, maybe head downtown, Waukesha, down to the nice ash, grab a cigar, grab a beverage, sit back and relax a little bit, take your laptop, get on the Wi-Fi, do some work, watch the game, breathe, that kind of thing. It's just it feels like that kind of night, doesn't it? It's just just a finally, you know, back back at home, sitting down. Uh, loved the, the trip up north, had a blast, but uh, my, that's, that sounds like the nice ash is in the future. So uh, I'll probably be down there tonight. 323 West Main Street, downtown Waukesha. Whether it's catching a sporting event or down there on Thursday, Friday, Saturday for live entertainment, uh, the different hookahs, the di- huge walk-in humidor for cigars, or if you don't smoke at all, that's fine. Go in and get a couple of beverages, say hi to some good friends, make some friends. Good stuff down there. Uh, the Nice Ash Cigar Bar, downtown Waukesha, Wisconsin. Good stuff. Um, we'll get, uh, we'll get back into it coming up after the top of the hour. Um, to, I got to say thanks to a couple of people. First of all, uh, Rick and the gang at Bonnie and Clyde's over the weekend. Fantastic job. I did not. And a couple of people asked me about it, but I did not expect to be on stage and to be able to do what we did with Jack on the gang. Thanks to Jesse James Dupree, the band, everybody there. Uh, for those that don't know that weren't there, uh, their last song, what they end on is usually the, uh, the lumberjack song. If you're not familiar with it, you can find it, but they actually use a chainsaw at the end of the the end of the show, uh, but normally they cut up a bar stool or something just to show that the chainsaw is actually real, and it is this big you know steel chainsaw. Uh, but what they did was they had a painter custom make this bar stool, and Jesse felt bad about chopping it up and banging it up and all that kind of stuff, but that's what they do. But at the end of the night, they saved the top of it that had been painted. And he brought me on stage and allowed us to do an on-stage auction for Fisher House, Wisconsin. And we auctioned off the top of a busted-up bar stool that was signed by the band. And we raised 700 bucks uh, just in that quick moment in time. And uh, there, were, there was also 
uh, a nice donation from a 50-50 that they did at Bonnie and Clyde's as well. And Don and the gang did a great job there. So anyway, long story short is I wanted to say thanks to them. I, thanks to Rick. Thanks to everybody at Bonnie and Clyde's. Thanks to the guys from the band Jackal who played up there and just put on a hell of a show on Saturday night. And thanks to all of you who bid and, and spent money and obviously our, our auction winner and such. But we had, we had a great time. But we raised, I think it was like $1,400 um, total between the, the auction and then the 50-50 for Fisher House, Wisconsin. And it was, it was just a, it was, it, was a, it was a lot of fun, but it was even more so meaningful. And that was so cool. So I wanted to say thanks to them and thanks to everybody for all the support. The, the place was damn near sold out. They had almost five 6,000 people. Yeah, from what I understand from what was Rick, Rick was telling us, that they had about 6,000 people there for the Jackal show on Saturday night. And the, uh, the Chamber of Commerce and everything in Tomahawk, I thought this year did a fantastic job. And so no complaints. We discovered a couple of new bars up there. Sideways uh, Wine and Craft Beer Bar is fantastic. Castaways is fantastic. So a lot of good stuff up in, uh, up in Tomahawk this past weekend. And it was just nice to go up and relax and crash a little bit and get ready for their re remaining run of the football season but what a great weekend and uh, now it turns out it was for a great cause too so thanks to all of them for being so kind to us and helping us out two hours down two hours yet to go the bill michael show on this overreaction perspective monday and we haven't even talked badgers yet haven't even gotten into that got a lot more to get to Stay tuned. Two hours down, two hours yet to go. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up next.